Hey guys, I invite you to take your Bibles, turn with me for our scripture reading, for our sermon text this morning. We are going to be in the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read together verses 13 through 15 as we continue this morning with our sermon series on the one another's. So I ask if you please stand with me for the reading of Holy Scripture. Galatians, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 13. This is God's holy word for us, His people. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Father, we ask that You would bless the reading of Your holy scriptures, and now I pray that You would bless also the preaching, the proclamation of the truth of Your infallible and inspired holy word, that You would write the truth of Your word deep upon our hearts today, conform us a little more this morning into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we can go forward Worshipping and serving you. Running in all the ways of obedience that you've called us to. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning, we pick up where we left off last week when we were looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Last week, we talked about the fifth of our ten one-another commandments, honor one another. And in chapter uh, 2 of Philippians, verse 4, we read this, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Last week, we looked at what it means to honor one another, and Philippians 2, 3 tells us to impute more significance to others than we do to ourselves. And one of the ways we do that is by doing Philippians 2.4. We look out for each other. We go out of our way to be there for each other. We honor one another in that way. And then Philippians 2.5 says... Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The way we obey Philippians 2, 3, and 4 is by adopting the mindset of Christ and striving to follow His example. And what is that example? Well, the famous passage, Philippians 2, 6 through 11, which is this beautiful, almost poetic, some people even think it's a fragment of an early hymn from the early church that Paul's quoting. 
that this could possibly be something that was in the worship of the very earliest church that Paul knows from the times he's worshipped with different congregations, and he's brought it into his epistle to quote. So this could be coming from a very, very early stage in the earliest history of the church. And in this passage, he talks about Christ who was equal with God, who came down and took the form of a servant and went and obeyed all the way to the cross. And then God raised him up and seated him at his right hand. This beautiful, famous passage where we always go to and and argue about the deity of Christ and the incarnation. There's so much theology there. But in context, Paul quotes this as a sermon illustration for how you and I are supposed to be humble. If we just debate the theology and never get to the application that Paul means, we're missing part of the passage. Because Paul says in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves which was yours in Christ Jesus, and then he get, goes into what Christ did. This is verses, is, uh, verses 6 through 8. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross and the key line for our purposes this morning is there in verse 7 where it says Jesus took on the form of a servant So far, all of the one another's that we've been looking at have been naturally and organically connected. Each one flows out of the other. And this morning, we come to the sixth one another commandment, serve one another. This command flows out of the humility that is required to honor each other, like we talked about last week. And it's generated by our commitment to obey God's command to honor our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We look out for each other's interests when we take up the mind of Christ, imitating His example. When when He took on the form of a servant to serve us in our need. Christ went out of His way, stepped aside from His throne of unspeakable glory, and came down here into the dust and filth of our world. And He got His feet dirty walking on first century Galilean roads. He was God on foot. (laughs) He's the one with the nails still marked on his hands. No other God has nail-pierced hands. No other God went out of his way and took on the form of a servant like ours. And he is our example. He is our model. And we're his followers. And this is how we follow him. Jesus took on the form of a servant And we are called to go and do likewise, to take the form of a servant and to serve one another selflessly out of love for each other and out of obedience to God. And so in a sense, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to zoom in on Philippians 2.4 and we're going to search the Scriptures together to find out what it means to look out for the interests of others 
And what it means is we are to be like Jesus. A servant of all. Listen to the Gospel of Matthew. Where Jesus calls his disciples together in chapter 20. And he says in verses 25 to 28. Jesus called them, his disciples, to him and said. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what we're called to follow. Now, as we begin to think about what it means to serve one another this morning, it's important for us to set this discussion in the context of the relation between faith and works in the Christian life. If you're planning on coming to Tuesday Talks, this is a bit of a cheat, so you'll know the answer. Okay, here we go. When you hear the phrase, good works, what do you think of? What comes to mind when I say good works? What are works or good works? Well, according to our confession of faith in chapter 16, section 1, good works are only those things God has commanded us to do in the Bible. Good works are only those things that God has commanded us to do in the Bible. So anytime you do something in obedience to what the Bible tells you to do, that's a good work. It doesn't matter what it is. If the Bible says to do it, and you read it, and then you obey it, that action is a good work. Every time you do these one another's, you are doing good works. But it's this one another this morning, serve one another, that the Bible most often has in mind when it talks about good works. So in general, a good work is anything you do in obedience to God's Word. But in particular, a good work is anything you do in service to your neighbor in obedience to God's Word. So where does faith come in? When it comes to the gospel, faith is opposed to good works. When it comes to the gospel, faith is the opposite of good works. It's the enemy of good works. In the gospel, faith is opposed to good works as the way to salvation. If the question is, how are we saved? The answer is, we are not saved by works, only by faith. So they are opposed to each other. Either by works or by faith. The gospel says, it's faith alone, not works. But when it comes to the Christian life, however, and this is crucial, 
Faith and works are not opposed at all. Rather, they are intimate friends. They are inseparable partners. You cannot have saving faith without good works. Just as you cannot have fire without light and heat. Faith is a flame lit by grace in our hearts, stoked by the Holy Spirit, fueled by the gospel. The heat of faith that we feel inside is love. The light of faith that we and others see is good works in service to our neighbor. Listen to how the great Protestant reformer Martin Luther describes faith and works. Luther says, quote, Faith is a divine work in us which changes us and makes us to be born anew of God. It kills the old Adam and makes us altogether different men in heart and spirit and mind and powers, and it brings with it the Holy Spirit. Luther goes on to say, Oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. It is impossible for it not to be doing good works incessantly. It does not ask whether good works are to be done, but before the question is asked, it has already done them and is constantly doing them. Faith and works in the gospel do not mix when it comes to salvation. But in the Christian life, they cannot be separated. Now, let's look at our passage in Galatians 5, where Paul unpacks this for us. Look in Galatians, a little earlier from our text. Look, look up the page to Galatians 5, 6. It says, For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision, being a Jew, nor uncircumcision, being a Gentile, counts for anything, but only faith working through love. The only thing that counts for anything in Christ is faith working through love. This is point one. Faith works. It is, as Luther says, a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. It never sits still. It's always active, living, moving. Faith works. A living faith works. And verse 6 of Galatians 5 says, faith works through love. Faith works through Love. And look down to our passage now, verses 13 and 14. Paul says, You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love. There's our phrase again through love, do what? Serve one another. Serve one another. 
Faith works and faith serves. So put verses 6 and 13 together. Faith works through love, and the work that faith does through love is serving your neighbor. The flame of faith naturally produces the heat of love and the light of works. James 2.26 says, For just as the body without breath is dead, so also faith without works is dead. We need to check our spiritual pulse. How do you do that? Is your faith breathing? A living faith inhales grace and exhales good works, exhales obedience, exhales service to your neighbor. A faith that isn't breathing is just a corpse you carry to church each week. A faith that's living and active is one that breathes. Check your spiritual pulse today. Is your faith alive? The Christian life can only be lived by faith. Why? Because faith is the only source of love and good works, which is what the Christian life consists of. If love is the heat of faith that we feel on the inside, and if good works are the light of faith that's visible to the world around us, and they're inseparable from faith, and they come from faith, then we have to live the Christian life by faith. And not only do we have to live the Christian life by faith, which is where love and good works come from, we also have to live the Christian life with one another. And that's what we've been talking about each week. We need one another too. And that's why, as we said a couple weeks ago, Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We looked at that passage a couple weeks ago as a key part of what it means to encourage one another. This is God's plan. This is God's plan for how His people live the Christian life together and faithfully endure to the end and reach final salvation. Good works are a necessary, necessary part of the journey that we're on to heaven. Not so that we can get saved, but because we already are saved And because good works is what we were saved for. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify.
purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's part of why Jesus died for you, Christian. was not just so he could clean you up from your sins and then let you sit inactive. No, he saved you by changing your heart, giving you the gift of faith. And that faith is a divine, living, breathing, active thing. And he did that for you so that you could be busy about his will, his kingdom, his purposes, obeying his word, living in love and good works. That's part of why he died. Or the classic example, Ephesians 2. 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. You hear that? It's grace, faith alone. Not works. Gift, not something you earned. Works and faith are polar opposites in the gospel. But then verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were saved for a purpose. Salvation isn't just something we get to brag about or something we get to be thankful for. Salvation is also a vocation. Salvation means we have a job to do. We are to be busy about the will of God. He has taken law breakers and made us into obedient law keepers. That's part of why he died for us. You are saved, Christian, so that you can love and serve your neighbor. Jesus saved you and he put you in his church as a member of his body right here at the Forks so that you can participate in all these one another's with your fellow members. That's the first point this morning. Faith works. Second point. This brings us now To point two, doing good. So, let's get specific now. What does it mean to serve one another? Serve one another is the command to do good to your neighbor. Serve one another is the command to do good to your neighbor. Or to do good works for your neighbor couple of verses. 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Paul says, See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Always seek to do good. Don't repay evil for evil. When a fellow church member does evil, sins against you, the natural reflex action is to be like, I'm going to get them back. Oh yeah? You're going to come at me with that? I can do you one better. You sin against me, I'll sin against you. Our natural instinct is to repay that evil 
with evil. And Paul says, wait a minute, stop a second. When someone sins against you, have enough self-discipline to say, all right, wait a minute, before I shoot off my mouth or whatever, hold on a second, take a breath, and remember, always seek to do good to one another. And you respond with good, not with wrong. Always seek to do good to one another. Or Mike, uh, sorry, Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6.10. Paul says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially, he says, to those who are of the household of faith. Seek to do good to everybody. Not just Christians. Everybody. Always seek to do good to everyone and everybody. We are Christians. We live lives full of goodness. Or at least we're called to. But here Paul says, especially with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And especially with your fellow members right here in the Forks. Seek to do good to those of the household of faith. He says, that's what serving one another means. It means that we are seeking to do good to one another. So, again, I said let's get specific. There are three types of good works that I want to highlight this morning. Three ways of doing good to your neighbor. The first two are in one passage I'm going to read, and then the third one comes in in another passage. So here they are. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah 6, 8 gives us the first two. God says, he has, or the prophet says about God, He has told you, O man, what is good. Okay, this is what we want to know. What is good? Doing good to my neighbor, what's that? He's told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Here we see the first two types of good we are to do to and for one another. The first is do justice. What are good works? How do we serve each other? Number one, works of justice. Works of justice. We are to treat others well. We are to treat others right. In the South, we say, treating me good. We don't say well. Treat someone good. Treat them well. Treat them right. Do justly with your neighbor. Jesus says, right, he says to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's a justice principle. Works of justice, treating each other as each other truly deserves. And when they deserve bad treatment, we give them grace, not evil for evil. We treat them above and beyond, always seeking to treat them justly. Just because they don't treat me the way I deserve doesn't mean I'm going to do the same thing to them. I will treat them the way they deserve, even if they have debased themselves and acted in a way that is unworthy of who they are in Christ. I will not agree with them in them stooping down and acting beneath themselves. I'm going to respond with good. 
I'm going to respond with justice to that person. Treating others right. Treating them well. Doing right by each other. Works of justice. That's number one. That's how we serve each other. Second type of good works. Here in the verse. Works of kindness. I love this. I love Micah 6.8. It says, do justice. And then it doesn't say do kindness. It says love kindness. Don't just grit your teeth and be nice to people. I'd rather just, ugh. I'd rather just give people the cold shoulder. I'd rather just tell people to take a hike. I'd rather just, I, I, I don't want to be bothered. I'll be, I'll be nice. I'll be polite. Fine. No. Love kindness, the Bible says. Get a thrill out of treating others thoughtfully, kindly. Be nice to one another, considerate, thoughtful, generous. Going out of your way to think and get creative. How can I be kind to someone today? Not just polite, but kind. What would an act of kindness look like today? Get up in the morning and say, Lord, show me who today could benefit from me showing an act of kindness. And pray that God would open your eyes and open doors And bring somebody into your life and be on the lookout. Be listening to how people are talking. Watch how they're they're acting that day. See what kind of day they're having and think, how can I speak the kindness of Jesus into this person's life today? And it doesn't have to be awkward. You don't have to go up there and preach a sermon to them. I'm talking about actions that are full of the kindness of Christ. Works of justice and then love kindness and you can get so creative who could benefit from a phone call who can I text who can I email who can I invite over who can I speak to who seems like they're having a hard time when God brings some, somebody across your mind you had not thought of in a while that might be a clue that hey that person needs to be reached out to and just be attentive to the way the spirit can move your thoughts and say Lord open my eyes and give me the courage To step out and not just do works of justice, but to do those acts of kindness for my brothers and sisters in Christ right here at the Forks. Show me, Lord, how to walk in kindness. And then the third type of good works. Works of justice, works of kindness. The third type is works of mercy. Works of mercy. Zechariah chapter 7 verses 8 through 10. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments. Render true judgments. That's works of justice. Show kindness. There's works of kindness. And show mercy to one another. Show mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. Powerful text. Works of mercy. This is something that I just started doing in high school. It's just a little thing I would tell myself each day as I walked into the building in high school. And I give it to you, maybe it'll be helpful. I would walk in... And I wouldn't have some big grandiose plan like, who can I preach a sermon to? Who can I 
<laughs> Who can I beat over the head with my Bible today, Lord? No. <laughs> it's a public school, so that would have got me in trouble. And I would have lost friends that way. No, I had a different approach. Get up each day, going into work, going wherever, wherever you got to go, and just tell yourself this little, this little line. See a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. And it could be something infinitesimal. Somebody at the drink machine's a quarter short. I got a quarter. I can get a drink later. I mean, sometimes it was that simple. I'll let you borrow my pencil, sure, because it, I mean, it's high school. I mean, it could be so small, but people were going to know that I'm on the lookout to show kindness, justice, and mercy to others. I'm on the lookout for what's any kind of need I can meet today in the name of Jesus. Something tiny, I'll do it. Something big, I want to be willing to do it. Help me, Lord. (laughs) And just be on the lookout. This is where you guys get to be so creative because this is stuff that you don't just do while you're here in 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 the nice building, the nice box we're in for an hour or so. This is stuff we got to be doing out there in life and especially be on the lookout for how you can see a need, meet a need right here in our body. Serve one another with acts of mercy. Galatians 6.2, Paul says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How can I fulfill Jesus' will for me? Find another person with burdens and help them carry those. Help lift another person's burden. That's an act of mercy. When you see need and brokenness and pain and confusion, loneliness, depression, when you see all of the wounds and all of the maladies and all of the mess that we get ourselves into and that life just drags us down into. This is where acts of mercy come in. See a need, meet a need. Bear one another's burdens. Romans 12, 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. Help the weak. Then Titus 3, 8 and 14. Paul says, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Why are they profitable? Because, verse 14, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. A living, breathing faith breathes in the free love and salvation and grace and mercy of the gospel. And in light of such overwhelming, infinite mercy shown to me, how could I bottle it up and not give it all away the way Jesus gave it all for me? Paul says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. That this be our mission to serve one another in all the intricate, creative, interesting little ways that come up that 
that come available to us through justice, through kindness, and through mercy. I love this this line from Paul in Ephesians 4.28. He says, let the thief, he's talking to Christians, let Christian thieves no longer steal, but rather let them labor. That means stop taking stuff that ain't yours and get a job. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Why? So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Amazing. Stop taking from others. Go get a job. Do a hard day's work so you can start giving to others instead of taking. I heard one preacher put it like this. You get a job not just for your living, but also for your giving. That's one of the reasons we get a paycheck is so that we can take what's left over and there's no magic number. You have to figure out what that is for you, your budget, your needs, whatever. We take what we have left over when we can, as we have opportunity, honestly before the Lord and with joy, we see who can I bless? Who can I serve? Who can I love? Who's in need that I can share with? Jesus made this promise in Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Sometimes we don't believe that. We think it's, oh, oh, it's so good to get. And giving is begrudging. But if we open ourselves up to this and we ask for the Lord's grace in our hearts, we can know a level of joy that we haven't tapped into yet if we will start giving and meeting needs and seeing our fellow brothers and sisters have some relief and see some life come back into them. Oh, what a joy that will be that we get to participate in that work. Serve one another is doing good. And doing good means devoting ourselves to works of justice kindness, and mercy. And now to our last point. Serving Christ. All we've just talked about is how we serve one another through love. Like Galatians 5, 6 says, through love, serve. And Galatians five thirteen, through love, serve one another. Faith working through love. This is what doing good works looks like. It's what we were saved to do, to do good to our neighbor through all these works. This is the fruit of faith, and it is the work of grace in our hearts. As I said earlier, faith and works are inseparable for those who are born again. One more quote from Martin Luther. One of my favorites in all of his many, many volumes of writings he left to us. Martin Luther says, Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that the believer would stake his life on it a thousand times. This knowledge of and confidence in God's grace makes us glad and bold and happy in dealing with God and with all creatures And this is the work which the Holy Spirit performs in faith. And then he says this, because of it, because of this work that the Holy Spirit does, and because of faith, without compulsion, 
Christians are ready and glad to do good to everyone, to serve everyone, to suffer everything out of love and praise to God who has shown them this grace. Thus it is impossible to separate works from faith, quite as impossible as to separate heat and light from fire. The life of faith, a life of good works, is not only the way we serve one another. The last point I want to make this morning is that this is also the way we serve Christ. Paul says in Acts 17, 24 to 25, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he gives since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So you can't serve God as though he needs something from you. God has no need of you or me or anything we do. But we're called to serve God, so what do we do? The way you serve God is by filling your hands full of good works And not bringing them to God in exchange for grace as though you've earned something from Him. No. You fill both hands full of good works and you give them away freely and selflessly to your neighbor. Simply out of love and a sincere desire to do good to one another, you offer your good works to your neighbor Asking nothing in return. And when you do that, the Bible says, you are serving Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. When we serve one another, that's how we serve Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to try to meet His needs. He wants us to receive everything from Him and then freely give what we've received, to bless and love and do good to our neighbor, to serve one another. This is the service God wants from you, Christian. He has freed you from your sins. He has united you to Christ. He put the gift of faith in your heart. He gave you His Holy Spirit and He placed you in this church body so that through love, you can serve one another. You were made for this, and you were saved for this. And now God is calling you to live 
for this. And if this is our attitude, we will not have that much trouble being at peace with each other. All those old gripes and complaints and criticisms that have happened in the past will just fall away when our main motive, mindset, and goal is how can I love, bless, and do good, and pray for, and take care of my fellow believers no matter what. If we do this, God will give you the power to obey. And as you lean on His strength with your faith firmly rooted in the gospel, Christ will be served and God will be glorified. As 1 Peter 4.11 says, Let the one who serves serve in the strength that God supplies so that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We thank you that you have given us such a clear set of directions and that you've given us the gospel to enable us to get outside of ourselves, to be conformed a little more into the image of Jesus, to move as he moves, to speak as he speaks, to have all of his heavenly goodness and his perfect virtue and character formed and molded in us little by little, day by day, so that year after year we can look back and say, Lord, I'm nowhere near where I would like to be, but thank you that I'm not where you first found me. Thank you I'm not where I was a year ago, half a year ago, a month ago, or last week. I can see you are working on me, changing me, turning me into a better follower of you, and oh, the joy that comes from that. As we continue to repent of sin, to turn from wrong ways, to lean on you, to get the gospel down into our bloodstream, and then to turn away from having self as the center of the universe and to see others as more significant than ourselves, to look out for their interests, to honor each other, and then to devote ourselves to serving one another through love and good deeds. Help us, Lord to be so firmly rooted in the gospel that our faith is living, active, busy, and breathing. Give life to our weak faith, Lord. Those of us who are struggling, help us. Those of us who need to repent, help us repent. Move our hearts. Change our direction. We give ourselves to you. We want to be the people you've called us to be. Free us from guilt, from past failures, from slackness. Free us from that guilt. Wash it away with the blood of Christ and the gospel. Help us to lean more on your spirit and be sensitive to your spirit's leading so that we can see those around us who need works of justice, kindness, and mercy. And give us the joy knowing that as we serve one another, we are serving and glorifying you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.